The Brief Podcast. Brought to you by MEPRA and produced by the International Broadcast Specialist Marketeers. Welcome. My name is Saad Sirkal, MEPRA board member and VP of Strategic Communications at Tabrid. I will be your host this episode of The Brief, reporting live from the 2019 MEPRA Leadership Majlis at the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Today, I will be speaking to a few of our guest speakers as they leave the stage to share key highlights of their discussions today. 2019 marks the fifth edition of the MEPRA Leadership Majlis, our signature conference in Abu Dhabi for senior communication professionals in the region. Hosted at the Louvre Abu Dhabi, thanks to our partner Mubadala Investment Company, the morning conference will explore the theme Impact and Influence and focus on how communication professionals can remain relevant in a time of change for our industry. Through a mix of presentations, case studies, and panel sessions, a wide range of industry topics will be addressed, including behavioral approach to government communications, the change face of modern media, the critical role of communications in organizational change and transformation, and how brands are embracing the year of tolerance, plus much, much more. The event will also provide plenty of opportunities to network with the industry elite. MEPRA is proud to announce a headline partnership with the National Media Council for the second year, with His Excellency Director General Mansour al-Mansouri as our opening keynote speaker. Senior leaders from the UK government, Mubadala, Etihad Aviation Group, the National, Vice Arabia, UNHCR, PR Week, and Arthur W. Page Society will also take the stage. The 2019 MEPRA Leadership Majlis is supported by the National Media Council, Mubadala Investment Company, Etihad Aviation Group, Hanover Middle East, Four Communications Group, Hill and Knowlton Strategies, Arthur W. Page Society, and PR Week. To start off our sessions today, we will be speaking to Sara Kazim, Vice President of Employee Engagement in Mubadala Investment Company. Welcome, Sara. Thank you. Um, I, I, we just finished your session, and it was it was rather interesting and and. Um, um, The topic was the critical role of communication and organizational change and transformation. Uh, I'm going to start you off with the first question, and then we can go from there. Can you provide a brief overview for our audience on the change or transformation experienced by your organization? So I think the biggest scale change that we experienced recently is the merger of Mubadala Development Company with the International Petroleum Investment Company, IPIC, which happened in 2017. So the two companies came together to form Mubadala Investment Company. And basically what that meant was we have a new company name, we have a new visual identity, we have new leadership, and we have 30% increase in workforce in total. Um, so that, in a nutshell, hopefully gives a sense of the, the scale of the change that was experienced. Mm-hmm. The primary goal of change management is to successfully implement new processes, products, and business strategies while minimizing negative outcomes. In your opinion, what are the key considerations for top management and communication professionals when implementing change? I think it's uh, important to think of the individuals and put ourselves in their shoes. Any kind of change is very personal, mm-hmm. whether it's leadership change or at the employee level it's a very personal experience and um, putting employees at the forefront is very important but then the second thing is thinking about the timeliness of communications the frequency how clear we should be and also never assuming that 
things are in place. So playing the even the simple role of sort of patrol checking, making sure that things are in place, things are in order, people have spoken to each other. That's usually the, the difference between successful change communications and when it doesn't work. Um, so what, what kind of research did you guys put into to that did you did you talk to your did you sense out what your employees want and what they don't want did you send out how they want to be communicated that cha- those changes so initially we went back to um just from behavior behavioral science perspective what employees go through in a cycle of change so how what's their initial reaction what kind of behaviors they might be showing how to know which stage of the process the employee is at and we actually use that to help equip our leaders to better understand their employees, what's on their minds and how they can help play a role in helping them experience the change in a successful way. Uh, the second thing we did is um, making sure that the leaders are continuously informed about how things are progressing, uh, what the updates are, and also uh, making sure that they themselves are almost reassured before they can play that role of managing their employees. So speaking about executives and and senior management, so some executives can't underestimate the importance of communications in implementing change. How can we as communication professionals convince them that it is crucial that communication experts must have a seat at the change management table and that communication reduces uncertainty and guides a business through this transition? Uh, from my experience, it's really about going through that journey with them. So unless they feel the value add that we're providing, it's very hard to convince them by having sort of like a session or talking to them about it. They actually have to feel it. So usually what I would suggest is people step up and, and step into that space and own it and sort of bring the value add. And that definitely will bring attention to leaders about the role and the importance of communications in the process. What typically happens is that each department will sort of focus on their bit in the project and they're not going to connect with each other. And that's where communications can help and connect all the dots and bring people on one journey. We were having a a similar discussion um, the other day and it was about creating value of a communications department in the company to explain the importance um, and not expect the communications department to receive that right to to be part of that 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 c-suite or that table or that project or what whatnot um uh, but yeah so how and or when uh do organizations get it wrong can you share an example top of your head i think they get it wrong when they underestimate the change Uh, because regardless of whether it's a big change or a small change, there are similar elements with change in general. There is uncertainty, there is an emotional uh, association to change. So sometimes it could be a small change, but if it's underestimated, then you often find things go wrong. And it's simple as having people talk to in the same in the proper sequence. So making sure you talk to X person before X person before X person. Um, The other thing is when internal and external are not aligned. So it's very very important to keep those two teams very closely connected and always, always trying to make sure that employees internally receive the communication, receive the messages before external, even if it means just an hour ahead, but it makes all the difference. Definitely. you, You build that loyalty and that trust. 
So moving on to our next question, what are the key challenges when communicating organizational change? I think the three that come to mind is that the physical presence of employees and the extent to which they're disparate is, uh, makes a difference. So it's easier when having everyone in the same room, but as soon as you have people in different locations, it adds a big layer of complexity and making sure that the experience they get everywhere is the same. Yes. Um, second thing is when leaders themselves are experiencing a change and then it sort of creates a challenge as to the role they can play for their employees because the, you almost have to sort of reassure them first, comfort them first um, and sort of ease the, their apprehensions before they can play their role as leaders. So that always makes things more complex. I think the third thing that uh, I would say is uh, convincing leaders to continue to communicate even when there isn't an update. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they feel uncomfortable with that space, but we know from a communications perspective, it's better to put your message out there rather than leave a gap for people to wonder or get too concerned about something that maybe isn't worth being concerned about. Very, very true. The communication is key. It's always key. So... Finally, how can communications professionals leverage on digital media as a change management tool? Because this is this is the new hype. This is the new thing. Um, people prefer prefer the digital uh, platform because it's easier, because it's available, and it's cheap. So, so how how can we leverage on that? I think to the point that I was uh, that was mentioned earlier. Um, people being in different locations, having a digital tool that can bring everyone together is important, be it some form of internal social media app or an internet, whatever it may be, but something that's accessible by everyone is important. But then having these tools also allow for that interaction and uh, engagement with employees. So they have somewhere where they can post their thoughts, vote on something, ask questions, etc. That's very important. Um, and also, thirdly, I'd say having almost a hub for information mm -hmm. to make information accessible to employees. Mm -hmm. um, we, we found that it's key to have that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for joining us uh, at uh, The Brief and looking forward to hearing more uh, from you and more updates uh, from uh, Mubadala in the future. Thank you, Saad. And now on to my next guest. I am absolutely honored to introduce Roger Bolton, the president of Page Society. Hello, Roger. Hello, sir. And welcome to the podcast. Um, you gave a beautiful talk on, um, on the topic of RCCOs facing an existential crisis. My first question to you. Can you tell us about the research you are conducting as Page Society with chief communication officers across the globe when it comes to this topic? We've spent most of the next year talking to colleagues around the world, and it's very, very clear that most enterprises are facing significant disruption, much of it driven by technology, but also by changing consumer and other stakeholder requests and requirements and tastes. Enterprises are having to redefine who we are, what business are we in, who do we compete with, what value do we create, and CEOs are looking for help. 
They don't always naturally turn to the CCO, but there is a huge opportunity, we have found, for the CCO to step up and help the CEO redefine the enterprise. And we find kind of three doors that the CCO can go through to do this. One, corporate brand. Increasingly, CCOs own corporate brand. Mm Even if they don't, they have the ability to work with others across the enterprise to kind of define who we are and what we stand for, not just in terms of our logo and sort of our look, you know, our look and yeah. feel, but really who we are and what we do and what are all the touch points, not just consumers, but every stakeholder feels. Yes. So that's door one. Door two is corporate culture. CEOs tell us almost ex- uh, every single one that the culture is the single biggest impediment to their ability to transform their companies. You may ask, why would the CCO be involved in that? Increasingly, CCOs are, in fact, partnering with the chief human resources officer and others to redefine the culture of the enterprise Mm -hmm. and help the CEO sort of change who we are and what we believe and how we act. The third and final door is social value. Mm -hmm. Not just NGOs, but increasingly employees and even investors are demanding that enterprises create not just customer and shareholder value, but long-term social value and sustainability. The CCO is incredibly well-positioned to help the CEO think about that and to redefine the enterprise around its ability to create that social value. That's, that's very true. And it's uh, one of the things that I, I like to think about hoping to change here in the region is the thought of CSR um, initiatives to stop being just CSR initiatives and it becoming a CSR policy. So it, it would actually live on and it would be sustainable in the in, in the organization with or without the existing CCO or whoever like you know created that uh, that policy. Now, how can CCOs and their teams and agencies embrace the change that they're facing? Well, they've got to step up. And in some cases, you'll be invited to do so by an enlightened CEO who asks for help. But in other cases, you've got to find a way. And sometimes you just work directly with the CEO to earn that. But oftentimes you have to build allies across the enterprise. Very true. So, you know, if, the, if you and the CHRO both agree that we can work together on the culture and you approach the CEO, you're probably better positioned. If you and the CMO work closely together on corporate brand, you're probably better positioned. So you need to build allies, but you need to demonstrate competence and the ability to win people to your point of view, but also to be willing to listen. I've always felt that if you want to be a good persuader, you better be willing to be persuaded as well. So Mm -hmm. those intra-C-suite relationships are incredibly important in terms of your ability to have impact. Keyword, relationship. Absolutely. You need to look at it that way. It certainly is. So what will be the biggest challenges in, in, in facing this change for the CCO? Well, skills... Um, both the interpersonal skills that we were just talking about, but also the ability to really understand the business. I mean, if you're going to help the CEO redefine the business that she's in, you better understand 
everything you need to about the company and how it makes business and how it operates. So that competency of understanding the business, thinking critically and strategically on business topics, not just on the communications aspects, but on the business itself. You've got to earn that. And you've got to have those capabilities and competencies. And finally, in terms of digital engagement, we have such a long way to go in terms of being able to use the digital tools that are available in the same ways that marketers and even uh, opponents are using them. And we need to use them in an authentic and genuine and truthful way. But those tools are available to us and we need to be much better at that. All right. So, so what would be the, the biggest opportunities to implement all of this? I think the biggest opportunity is to put the function at the center of defining corporate character. Mission, purpose, values, culture, business model, strategy, and brand. All defined and aligned to make a coherent and authentic whole. And then activate that understanding of that corporate identity, that corporate character, across the entire enterprise. The CCO has an opportunity, perhaps better position than any other C-suite function to play that role at the right hand of the CEO. And it's so critical to the existence of the enterprise and its ability to create value, not just for customers and shareholders, but for society at large. Mm. So, so this is, this is fascinating. And I think this is, uh, this kind of information should, should be viral. So when can we see the final report? We expect to have a final report by September. All right. Uh, we've been on this journey for a year. We have kind of a rough draft that we shared with our members at Spring Seminar. I've just tried to describe it to you at a very mm -hmm. high level. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be written out and published by September, including progression paths in each of those areas that show how one can move from sort of a practitioner level to a professional level to a pace setter level uh, if one puts one's mind to it and does the work. Well, I look forward to it. Um, again, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, so um, And that was uh, Roger Bolton, the president of Page Society. It's my pleasure. And now we move on to our next guest, uh, Jamal Awadi, vice president of product and guest experience at Etihad Aviation Group. Welcome, Jamal. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so your topic today, amazing topic, by the way, and amazing talk, but your topic today was about embracing the year of tolerance. So can you provide me and the audience a brief overview on how your organization have embraced the year of tolerance um well it had airways group and the airline uh, specifically you know being the national airline of the uae you know we like to be at the forefront of these initiatives and and wanting to share them not just um, locally within the uae but internationally of course as we are an international carrier this year, we're very proud of the moments, and there's key moments that we feel um, we, we were able to, to contribute to and be part of uh, with the Year of Tolerance. For example, it was an honor for us to fly His Holiness, uh, Pope Francis, um, from Abu Dhabi to Rome on our, uh, on our amazing uh, Boeing 787 Dreamliner, um, following his first visit to the region. And, you know, that is um, uh, an aircraft where we had to uh, dress up a certain way, prepare a certain way, and it just looked absolutely fantastic, and the feedback was, was amazing. But even more importantly, you know, we were, we were also, Tad Airways, uh, the official sponsor of the Special Olympics. Um, and we were tasked with not only flying the Flame of Hope, but all the athletes and their supporting teams to the event, and then making sure that um, they were supported throughout the event and as well as then returning them home safely. Um, I think, you know, our approach has always been let us work 
you know, with all the various stakeholders, various uh, entities. Uh, you can look at the Ministry of Community Development, for example, amongst many others, to really um, pull together um, initiatives uh, that make sense, are lasting and impactful, and have stories that we can share. Mm-hmm. So, so on on that uh, on that last note, so how did you communicate? How did communication um, support these initiatives? So you had stories. What did you do? Right. So. Look at the end of the. Uh, I mean, if you if you really boil it down, um, at 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 the heart of all, tolerance requires some sort of interaction between two two people, um, and then obviously recognizing their shared humanity. And we well, we designed everything. Of course, we were working with these epic stories, but we wanted to make sure that the human element of it um, was not lost. Um, so when you think of the Pope's story, right, and the visit, um, we looked at, well, what's the story behind the first Emirati pilot to fly the Pope, right, and really focused on that. Um, when it was the team that, that arrived in the Special Olympics from New Zealand, they performed the Hakka, so we focused on that, and that's really what we put out uh, at the forefront of all of our communication channels, not just saying there's a Pope's visit or there's a spe- we're the proud sponsor of uh, the Special Olympics. You know, we made those little stories, those human stories, and how, how that event impacted those individuals yeah. at the forefront of our communication. So, so you kind of humanized Ittihad as well Well, you have these to. Stories. You yeah. have to, yeah. yeah. I think people generally will connect better with that as well. So, so this feeds into my next question is, is how do you ensure these initiatives have a lasting impact is by doing that. Would you say so? You, the, having that human element, of yeah. course, creates that, that relationship and that bond. But then also beyond that, how do we ensure that the legacy remains, right? And, and for us, um, it was uh, fantastic because we decided we will take a 787 livery and we will brand it with the Special Olympics so it lasts even beyond and the, the stories are not forgotten even for years to come because it, 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 it comes through everywhere in the world where that airplane flies, you know, and it really is transporting that message. Um, but even internally, you know, we decided that we need to bring our own employees onto that journey. So we, we went and, you know, the, the official symbol of the Year of Tolerance is the Raf tree. And we, we planted that, or our CEO, Tony Douglas, did um, in our head office um, and really engaged our, the, the employee community uh, across the head office, which we obviously we, we have 152 different nationalities that, 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 that work at, at our headquarters. And so really bringing them in and showing our dedication to the Year of Tolerance. So, of course, all of the, you know, um, the strategy and, and uh, the approach to communications or the business as, as a whole, as it had, has to be aligned with certain objectives. How do these initiatives align with your business objectives? Um, I think, you know, the, uh, one of our, our primary goals here is really uh, at Etihad Airways uh, and within the wider group is to take um, Abu Dhabi to the world, yes. right? Um, and when you look at uh, sort of the year of tolerance and the activities around that, you know, what we were doing, of course, uh, all the time is we're sharing and what a fantastic destination Abu Dhabi is. But now we're going another level further and we're saying, well, here are the beliefs, the values um, of uh, Abu Dhabi um, and and the people that live here um, and sharing that with the world. And I think that is fantastic because that in turn will give Abu Dhabi, another dimension when attracting visitors and uh, will support the overall goal of driving more, uh, more traffic. The, uh, to me, to be honest, that, that, that approach just, just highlights the maturity of, of the level of, of communications that you guys have, which is, which is a great. So based on, you know, to, to finish on that, for organizations looking 
at embracing the year of tolerance through similar initiatives or campaigns, what should they consider? Um, as I mentioned before, the first thing you, you have to do um, and then what they should really try to focus on is collaboration and yeah. collaboration with other entities and other stakeholders, um, both um, on a local level, but also more importantly, internationally, because I think the message today uh, is international, right? Um, tolerance, as I mentioned before, you really need that human element to be expressed, to be captured, to be shared globally. So really focus on that. I think audiences don't want to be told about tolerance. They want to be either shown it or be part of it, yeah. right? So how do you uh, create campaigns that um, engage people, integrate them into the activities, um, um, especially when it comes to the digital side, uh, side of it? Um, and then finally, it's really engage your your, your own internal family, the internal um, audience that you have, because they're, they're probably sizable. Um, and when you have them with you, um, you, just, you, just, you just have so much more um, strength. You can, um, you can really focus on those goals you need to get to. And even above and beyond that, when it's all said and done, go back and showcase um, the activities that your own internal audience has has been part of and really create those heroes okay, within your company. And that's what we did very recently when it came to the number of volunteers. We had 500 volunteers from Etihad Airways uh, at the Special Olympics. And we, you know, we picked uh, a few of them out. Um, we even um, showcased their contribution at the Employee Engagement Forum, which is everybody and anybody in Etihad Airways group um, has visibility of. Um, and, and a little bit more to their story and their human side of the story as to what drove them and what motivated them to be part of this uh, amazing initiative. And I think really if you, if you do those three or four things, I think you'll be in a very, very strong place. It's, 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 I think this is how I'm thinking of it. It's, it's taking the, the year of tolerance from an idea mm -hmm. to a core value. Absolutely. And just a Absolutely. way of life. And Absolutely. And the tolerant period. Um, thank you so much. Again, for all the insight, uh, Jamal. Again, this is Jamal Awadi, Vice President of Product and Guest Experience at Etihad Aviation Group. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And now, before we wrap up to the day, we come to the man of the hour, Jaunty Summers. How are you? Very well, thank you, Suad. Thank you. Uh, Jaunty Summers, MEPRA Chairman and MEPRA Leadership Majlis MC. Can you tell us what were the key highlights of the Majlis this year? We've had a, we've had a great range of speakers here, and it and it really underlines how how Mepra is trying to bring together the broadest community of professionals from from around the world. Really, you know, we had we had Roger Bolton, the president of the Arthur W. Page Society, in conversation with Brian Lott, talking about how how the role of chief communication officer can really uh, enhance business value. That was a terrific discussion. Uh, we've had a, a, some very very good panel discussions. Uh, talk. We've had representatives from Bardler, from Adnoc, Alvarez and Mars talking about the role of communications in, in change, for example, transformation like uh, mergers and acquisitions and, 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 and corporate development. That was really, again, a very interesting discussion. We were very fortunate to have the UK government representative for, for the Middle East and North African uh, region, uh, Alison King, who talked about how the UK government is using behavioural psychology to uh, influence its communication programmes and that, and, you know, we're very grateful for some of those really transparent insights and, you know, they've got a 4,000 person uh, uh, government comms team across across the whole of the, their operations and that was that was really fascinating. 
So from what you said and from what the speakers that I've hosted today um, on our podcast said, there's a lot of information that's been going around. There's a lot of ideas. There's a lot of a lot of everything when it comes to the communication um, uh, industry. What were you hoping or what are you hoping that attendees would take from this? Well, you know, MEPRA exists to bring people together, to spark ideas, to, to have conversation, to, to get more aligned with, you know, with with the latest thinking. And I think we've achieved that today. You know, we've got a wonderful location in this auditorium here at Louvre Abu Dhabi. You know, it's nearly full. You know, the capacity is 300 people and it's, you know, it's it's really, really full. So, you know, and I I. Th- I I, I get the sense that there's an energy to this industry and it's you know, it's a very important time for for people in this region to to be taking on you know the leading thinking that that is available to them you know we're in a very fortunate position that that that, that people are willing to share ideas willing to engage in conversation and so you know what are we what are we hoping to achieve really for people to go away you know inspired feeling bold uh feeling able to give good counsel feeling able to speak truth to power um you know, and I think if, you know, if we look, if you look in, in five years time, you know, where are we going to be as a profession? I hope we're going to be a much more stronger, much more robust, much more confident profession, able to provide real value to organizations, whether they're government entities, whether they're corporates, whether they're nonprofits, whatever, wherever they be, and, and, and to be able to do it throughout the region. And this region needs it. It definitely does. And and given the fact that this is like the fifth edition, so you're doing something right. People are coming back well, we every so. year. Yes, yes, you are. You definitely are. We hope so. Um, I'm not going to be taking a lot of your time. You're a busy, busy man. So thank you so much for joining me today. So uh, thank you. And uh, till next time. Thank you very much. And that was all for today. Thank you so much for listening. Our next episode will feature Danny Rogers, editor-in-chief of PR Week UK. So be sure to tune in.